Oh, goodness. Come on, everybody. Let's give the Lord praise in the house. Come on, everybody stand up. Give the Lord praise this morning. How many of you knew that there was a lot of people in New York? Be honest, raise your hand. I want to thank you for even coming today. And the rest of you are going, I didn't know they were gone. And what a privilege it is to be here in this house. Um, I have very few friends in the world, very few. Met a lot of people. Had a birthday this week, and I turned. <laughs> you heard that, didn't you? <laughs> Have a lot of acquaintances. Met a lot of people in the ministry, but very few friends. But uh, Kevin and Devin are friends, and I mean that truest sense of the word. Love them. And uh, he called and asked me to preach today, and I'm honored to do that, to be honored to preach in this house. We love to come here. When we get the opportunity, there's something about the atmosphere in this place. I preach somewhere every Sunday. Now, you get tired of this place, you get tired of this atmosphere, come go with me a few days. I'm telling you, I'm serious. You know, and it's the Spirit of the Lord, when you walk in, the prayer, the praise and worship, I mean, your voices just, they just have that penetrating spirit. I'm serious now. It just penetrates the atmosphere. It takes people into the presence of God. And Kevin and Devin are friends. Not everybody that hits your Facebook is your friend. They just want to be in your business. So be very careful. And all of our families, all of our family is gone. This is weird. I told Charlotte after Pastor Kevin asked me, I said, you know, Every member of our family is gone except one. Josiah is still here. I think he's back in the nursery somewhere, so everybody's been cut out of the will except Josiah. <laughs> Turn with me in your Bibles, please, um, to Numbers chapter 14. I haven't shared with anybody what I was going to speak today. The Spirit of the Lord has directed everything. You'll hear that in just a moment. A little while ago, Will Murray was praying. She began to say, let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Praise and worship team started talking about let faith arise. I want to talk to you today about rising up. Rising up in the power and the spirit of God. These are dark days that we are living in, brothers and sisters. These are the darkest days the world has ever known. Because what is happening is we're coming to the end, the culmination of sowing and reaping. Coming to the end of the age. And it's not going to get brighter. I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not going to get brighter. And I talk to seasoned saints. Those are code for older people who have been around a while, and they say to me, I never dreamed I would see what's going on in our world. Never dreamed that we would hear uh, uh, of what is going on in our nation, and that is what is happening. But I refuse to believe that the church that Jesus died for is going out in a whimper. And it is time for the church 
to rise up in the power of his spirit, to rise up in the authority that has been given to us. Now, I want to talk about authority today because that is one thing that I believe is missing in the body of Christ. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1, just simply says that that night, all the members of the community or of Israel raised their voices and they wept. All of Israel raised their voices and they cried aloud. Why? Because of the report that was brought back. And we'll share that with you in just a moment. Bow your heads. Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege that we have this morning to be in your house. We thank you this morning, Lord, that you have redeemed us. We thank you for what we are celebrating this week, this holy week, when we celebrate your death, where you took your, uh, our sins upon you, you took it to a cross. Every sin of every man, woman, boy, and girl, you took my sin. You took it to a cross. I praise you for that this morning. Glorify your name. But then, Lord, you rose again. You came forth with life, victorious life. And we praise you for that this morning. Lord, in these next few moments, let your word be strong. Let it accomplish the purpose for which it is spoken. And we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Now, before you sit down, some of you haven't smiled. Things are a little out of, out, of, out of sorts. I get that. Just look at them and smile and say, are you losing weight? Do that. There was a 19th century Spanish philosopher who coined these words. He said, history repeats itself. You probably heard that phrase used at some point in time. It's usually made in reference to something negative that is happening that is circling around and happening one more time. That something bad is going to happen. Something negative that has happened before is going to happen again. But I believe the Apostle Paul already told us that in 1 Corinthians. When he told us, he said that all these things, talking about the account of Scripture, all these things are recorded for us that we might learn from them. Especially, he said, to those to whom the end of the world would come. So what Paul was saying was, look at what happened in the historical account of Scripture. Learn what the people did. And if they made a mistake, don't repeat the mistake. But I also believe it has a positive connotation to it that it, discover what the people of God did right. And what they did right, then you go and repeat that. The, the question we have today is this. Why do we ignore the scriptural pattern? Why do we ignore the account of scripture and it seems like we continue to fall into the same account? In this passage of scripture, you know it very well. God has delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage. And he said, I'm going to take you to a promised land. Now, a promised land was not a place where they were to go on vacation. And we get that idea in our minds that they were just going to go there, that everything was just going to be terrific. They were going to drink coconut water. 
have pomegranates, grapes, and just enjoy a nice tropical vacation. It was anything but. It was the place that God was going to release them from being slaves. He said, I'm going to take you there, and the land that you're going to occupy is going to give you everything you need to be a force in the culture. Because the Bible says this. Moses sends out the 12 spies to look at the promised land. They go and they look at it, and they come back and give the report. And they say, yes, it's everything you said it was. It's beautiful. They brought back grapes. They brought back palm granites. It's a wonderful place. But there are giants over there. There is war over there. And they are bigger than we are, and we cannot subdue them. And the Bible says they come back and they give that report to the people. And when they begin to understand what was going on, that seemingly that God had brought them to a place, but he was not going to take them any further, the people begin to weep. The people begin to cry because of the report of the people. Brothers and sisters, what I believe is going on in the church and in this nation, one of the greatest weapons the enemy uses against us personally and corporately is the weapon of intimidation. If he can cause you to look at something and see it for what it not really is, if he can cause you to look through the natural eye, if he can cause you to look through eyes of the flesh, what will happen is the enemy will begin to talk to you. And if you look at the enemy through eyes of the flesh, what do we always do? We take the lower nature. We see the negative. We hear the negative. We respond to the negative. And if you listen to that kind of thing, if you walk in the eyes of the flesh, you will respond through the flesh. Brothers and sisters, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. But when we hear negative reports in the media, when we hear what is going on in the world, when, when, when difficulty comes our way, how do we respond to that? Because you see, in the very beginning, Adam forfeited the dominion that God had given to him. In other words, Adam had forfeited his authority. God breathed into them the breath of life, and he said, I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you dominion over the earth. And the Bible says that Adam even named all of the animals. He was, he was given that privilege to have the authority and have dominion. But Satan stole that dominion away from man. He stole the authority that man had. And in Adam all died, every one of us. We began to take the lower nature. When Adam sinned, every man died. So where do we find the spiritual authority? Where do we find dominion that we can occupy the promised land that we have today? This morning I got up early. And I'm a weather buff. I, I, I've got the weather app on my phone. Now, my family laughs at me. If there's a storm coming, I know about it. And this morning when I got up, I saw that there was a line, a red line of storms about 6 o'clock west of Chattanooga, and they were on their way marching toward Chattanooga. And there was absolutely no force that could stop those storms from coming. They came through. They made their way through here. 
and now they're gone. Hear me this morning. There is an impending storm. There is a spiritual red line that is just beyond the horizon. We have never seen it like this before, and we see the spirit of darkness that is just beyond the horizon. We've never felt anything like this, and the world is wondering, what do we do? The Bible says people's hearts will melt because of fear. And there are people wondering what is going to happen in the world. We see the governments, we see states that are now legalizing abortion in the last trimester. Go ahead and kill the baby. Even a baby being born, just put it on the table and let it die. We've never heard of things like that. What is going to stop it? Well, Like we couldn't stop storms today, let me tell you what the Word of God says. It says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against it. Let me tell you who the standard is in this day in which we are living. It is the church of Jesus Christ. We have authority. We have power over the enemy. And in the name of Jesus, we can speak to principalities. We can speak to powers of darkness. And we can command the red line of the enemy to stay back in the name of Jesus. It's time for the church not to be silent. It's time for the church to rise. Rise up in the power of the Spirit, in the anointing of God, and declare the works of God in this world in which we're living. Come on, put your hands together. When Adam sinned, you know, God is never caught off guard. He sees the end from its very beginning. And when Adam sinned, God looked at the serpent and he said, The seed of the woman is going to crush your head. The baby, he said, there is one who is coming. The baby of the woman will take away your authority was what it really meant. Head means authority. When he comes, he will crush your authority and take it back. But you see, it had to come through a woman. It had to come through flesh like you and I, someone who would understand, who would take the weight and understand every situation that you and I could ever face. And after God made that promise, listen, God doesn't make a promise and just go back on his word. God doesn't come to us in weak moments of our life when we're going through difficulty, when we're in a battle and give us a little emotional lift only to get through that emotion and say, well, I didn't really mean it. I just wanted you to get through. No, when God makes a promise, there is no demon, there is no devil, there is no force in hell that can stop the promise from coming to pass. And what God said to them was, he's going to come. But you know what? It took time. It would be thousands of years later until the Messiah would come. Now, don't you know there were times that there would be people who would go back and and quote that prophecy? They would hear the words of Isaiah 700 years before Jesus would be born. 700 years before the Messiah would come. Isaiah would prophesy about him. But years would pass and nothing would happen. Don't you know there were those who thought, ah, the old boy must have missed it. Isaiah must have just had some 
Taco Bell or pizza before he went to bed and had that prophetic word. 300 years before Jesus would come, Malachi would say, there is one coming who will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. 300 years before Jesus would come. And in between that time, not one thing would happen. Brothers and sisters, here is what I have learned. I'm an impatient fellow. I have asked God for patience right now. And he has taught me some things along the way. He's, he's taught me how to just wait upon him. And I don't know where you are this morning. There are times in our life when God makes a promise and you wonder whether or not it's ever going to come to pass. Let me tell you this morning, he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what is going on. He will keep his word. He will keep his promise. He will never forsake his promise to his people. And the Bible says this. Paul said that when the fullness of time had come, that God sent his son. It was the perfect time for Jesus to come. It was the exact moment that he should come to the earth because what was going on, when you look at the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament, you will see that nations rose up against Israel. They would fight. There would be battles. There would be wars that were constantly going on. But suddenly when the Messiah comes, Paul said it was the perfect time because now there was peace throughout all the land. Caesar thought he had done it and in time called the Pax Romana or Roman peace. But he had a great transportation system built. Why did he have it built? He had it built so that he thought his legionnaires could go to anywhere in the nation and keep the peace. But I submit to you that God had those roads built so that his missionaries like Paul and Barnabas could get to any known world and preach the gospel. Let me tell you, you may think the enemy will tell you that God has forgotten you. But in moments that you think he's forgotten, he's orchestrating something that you never dreamed. He's preparing a path of escape that you never dreamed. He's preparing a roadway of victory for you that you never would have imagined. And when the perfect time comes, God will show up on your behalf. Isaiah said, unto us a child, a baby is born, but unto us a son is given. Now Josiah the hero of the day. He'll be a year old in May, next month. It's that age thing kicking in. So when Josiah was in the womb of Crystal, she went and had one of those ultrasounds, you know? And they're getting so much better than they were back when our kids were born. And she came and she, she was so proud of that ultrasound. She said, look, those are his hands. I said, okay. Look, here's his feet. I go, okay. Look at his face. Here's his nose. And I didn't say it out loud, but to myself I thought, oh, God, heal that baby before he comes. <laughs> And he did. <laughs> but you understand, 
when Jesus was in the womb of Mary. These were hands that had weighed the oceans of the world in the palm of his hand. These were hands that had scooped out the mountains and placed them where they are. This, 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 was, the, the, this was God Almighty. He was in her womb, but he was not just a man. He was God. He, in the fullness of him dwelled the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was God. He was fully man. And in him dwelled the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was fully God and fully man who took upon himself this flesh that we might know him, that we might be redeemed to him. He didn't have to do that. But immediately the enemy decided, I'm going to kill him. He'd heard the words of the prophecies of Isaiah that by his stripes we would be healed that the government would be upon his shoulder. And so immediately Satan began, he schemed a plot to destroy him. And what did he do? He stirs up Herod to kill all of the babies in the region round about two years of age and under. Now imagine that if that hit the news tomorrow. And what, what shame it is in this nation that we come to the place that you can abort a baby. I did hear yesterday. Charlotte and I were at a meeting, a celebration of life at Free Chapel in Gainesville. 10,000 people came to celebrate life. And they were talking about yesterday how great it was this week that the governor of Ohio signed into legislation a heartbeat bill. That the moment that the heartbeat is heard, that child is living. The governor of Georgia is getting ready to sign the same legislation. There are 20 more states that have it in the pipeline now to sign the same legislation. That's what I'm talking about for the church to rise up and let their voice be heard and keep the darkness back. But he decided he was going to kill all the babies. But God warned them in a dream and they fled down to Egypt. But then he said, I, he's just a man. I'll take him exactly the same way that I took Adam and Eve. He's just a man. I will tempt him. And the Bible says this, that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, you need to get that in your spirit because the devil is responsible for a lot, but he's not necessarily responsible for everything. Because this word said, Jesus had to go to the wilderness. Oh, we love praise and worship, don't we? We love the glory of God and we love the presence of God. We love Ruach. We love camp meeting. We love special events. And those are great times. But hear me, there is going to be a time in your life and in your walk with the Lord that you're going to the wilderness. You're going to a place where you're going to be alone. Don't talk to me about your faith being increased and enlarged at Ruach or when the choir is singing or Pastor Kevin is preaching or Pastor Devin is preaching. I'm telling you where your faith is made. Your faith is made when you're alone in the wilderness, when the choir's not singing, when the praise and worship is not going on. It is in the wilderness that you'll come face to face. There are a lot of people, they want to say, oh Lord, increase your anointing in my life. You ever prayed that prayer? 
and then the very next day, all hell break loose in your life. And you go back to the altar and you go, oh God, you, you miss, oh, hey, time out. You miss what I said. I said I wanted more of you. I wanted more of your power. I wanted more of your anointing. I wanted you to enlarge my territory. I wanted you to increase me in a way I've never been increased. Maybe you miss what I said, but you go right back out and you find yourself in the wilderness. Let me tell you why he does that. Because if he just arbitrarily poured anointing on you and poured another measure of faith in you, do you know what? You wouldn't have the capacity to hold what he wants to give you. It would just run off. And the problem with a lot of people in the church who've gotten things too quick things have come along too quick you see them falling by the way why because they never walked through the wilderness they never walked through a tough time but I'll tell you what happens in the wilderness it is in the wilderness that your capacity is increased that you're enlarged, you're enlarged in your spirit and then when you come out of the wilderness your capacity has been increased that God can pour a measure of of anointing in you that you never dream and you'll be able to hold what he has given to you. You see, it was in the wilderness that David killed a lion and David killed a bear. You see, it is the wilderness that prepares you for your destiny. It is in the wilderness that you get ready for what God really wants you to accomplish. It was in the wilderness that John the Baptist would be eating locust and wild honey. But it was in when he came out of the wilderness, he had the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus found himself in the wilderness alone. The crowds were gone. The disciples were gone. He's by himself. That's when you can expect the enemy to come. That's when you can expect the voice of darkness to speak to you. And so he comes to Jesus. And he says, if you are the son of God, I know you're hungry. I know you want something to eat. Then command these stones to be turned to bread. And how did Jesus respond? He responded with the word of the Lord. Man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down from the temple, and he'll give his angels charge over you. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. If you are the Son of God, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. How did Jesus respond in the wilderness? Every time he responded with the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, you're going to go to the wilderness. There are going to be times when you don't feel like shouting, when you don't feel a voice of praise and the enemy's going to come and tell you your faith is in vain. You know how you're going to survive the wilderness? It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. The enemy knows he's defeated by the power of this book. The enemy knows this book. He just wants to know if you know the power of this book. But when you speak the word of the Lord, the enemy will back away from you. The enemy will leave you alone because because he knows he's been defeated by the word of God. Come on, give him praise in the house.
chapter. Where did the payment for authority come? Colossians chapter 2, Paul tells us that death had to be conquered. You see, death was the ultimate weapon that Satan held over our heads. But in order to conquer death, you had to conquer sin because sin brought forth death. But in order to conquer death, you had to conquer sin. And the only way to conquer death was by having a resurrection. Now, Satan didn't count on that. And on this Palm Sunday, I want to put up the passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Growing up in a little country church where my dad pastored, every Palm Sunday, I would be sitting at the back with the rest of the teenagers. I knew what we were going to do next Sunday, okay? We know what we're going to do here in this church next Sunday. I'll be back next Sunday, and the rest of the family will be here, hopefully. <laughs> and we're going to celebrate Easter. The house is going to be full. But as a teenager, I used to wonder, now, he knows what's going to happen. He's going to kill him on Friday, and next Sunday, we're going to be back here celebrating our resurrected Lord. And the question I always used to ask myself, just logically thinking, now why would he do that? Doesn't that make sense? That's a logical question. But here's what I found Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said these words, we declare God's wisdom. A mystery that has been hidden that God ordained for our glory before time began. Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age understood it. The King James says knew. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What that word means is understood means revelation. Yes, Satan had heard the prophecies of Isaiah. He'd even heard the Lord. Don't think for one second that he took his eyes away from the Lord. He heard the Lord Jesus say, No man takes my life from me, but I willingly lay it down. But this temple will rise again on the third day. He did not comprehend that. He did not have the spiritual revelation of what Jesus was actually saying. Because what Paul said in those words, If Satan, if the rulers of this age had had the revelation, if they had understood that when they whipped Jesus on his back, that you and I were being healed, he never would have done it. If he'd had the revelation that when he placed him on a cross that he was taking the sin of the world, that he was taking your sin and my sin and the sins of Chattanooga, the sins of the United States, if he'd understood it, he never would have done it. If he'd had the revelation when he placed him in a tomb that three days later that Jesus was going to rise out of the grave with the keys of death, hell, and the grave, he never would have done it. 
Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, if the enemy had known when he came to our house to destroy it, the very thing he used to destroy it would be the thing that God would put in our hands, that we would whip the devil with it. I'm telling you, there is no weapon formed against you that's going to prosper. It's time to rise up in the name of Jesus. You have authority. You have power in Jesus' name. Give him praise in the house. Now I'm getting ready to land this plane. Had a guy yesterday say, well, you better get you a two-hour sermon ready. I said, nope. They going to love me. <laughs> so let's get back to dominion and authority. Now the Bible says this. I said all of that to say this. Jesus rises with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible now tells us that he is where? He is seated at the right hand. The right is a place of authority. It is a place of power. And all things are under his feet. Not some of them. Not just a few of them. Not just everything prior to 2010. Not everything prior to 2015. But all things. Every spirit. Every principality. Every power is under the feet of Jesus. I think the thing that just wears me out the older I get now are just wimpy Christians. It just absolutely just wears me out running around whining all the time. Listen, I got problems. You got problems. We all got problems. But let me tell you, we serve a mighty God and all things are under his feet. I've had two phone calls in the last six months. Pastors that I deal with. I talked to one and he said, he said, you won't believe what happened to us last Sunday. We had a transvestite walk into our church. I said, okay. I'm telling you, in many places, that would absolutely freak them out. They don't know how to deal with that. They don't want to deal with it. That's part of the that's part of the, the problem of the church. It's the issues that are out there in the culture. We don't want them in the church. And we're absolutely afraid of them. Let me tell you, the people that are out there in the culture, it's what the blood of Jesus Christ died for. You show me something that's too hard for our God. You show me somebody that's unredeemable. Our God is alive. He has all power. He has all authority. Here's what he said to me. He said, I prayed that we'd have a Holy Ghost hoedown. He said, I'm telling you, we did. He said, we knocked down chairs. We knocked over tables. 
We ripped that place apart. He said, the whole time I saw him sitting back there asleep, unmoved. He said, I got up to preach. And he said, I read my text. And he said, when I did, opened his eyes and started listening. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, he's not going to be moved by all of the stuff that you do in worship. But it is by the power of the word of God that I will break that authority in his life. So what do we do? So where are we in this? Here's what we have to understand. Because I'm just not convinced that we need necessarily more power. Now hear me out. I'm Pentecostal from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Do you know why these instruments work here today? It's because they're plugged in. There are a lot of people coming to church. You got your instrument, but you're not even plugged into power. You don't even know what we're... If you don't have power, it's not because it's not available. It's just because you haven't plugged in yet. We have the power of the Word of God. We have the power of the blood of Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit that has already been released in the church. Thank God for all of that. But here's what I think is missing that goes with that. It is the appropriation of authority. Ephesians chapter 2. Put it up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them that at one time, gratifying the craving of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Get this now. But God... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Go on. Here we go. Here it is. Here it is. And God raised us up with Christ. And did what? Seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He has all power. He has all authority. And he didn't wake up this morning and catch the news and get an identity crisis about what was going on. He didn't have to take a Prozac to deal with it. He's seated very comfortably and all things are under his feet. 
Now, what is our posture? By grace, we have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. And what did he do? He raised us up. Let's just make it personal. He raised me up. He raised you up and caused you to sit with him in heavenly places. And if you are seated with him, the same power and the same authority that God has over every principality, over every situation, he's raised you up. And you have authority. You have dominion over every situation. What it's time to do is rise up in the name of Jesus. Rise up in the authority that belongs to you in Jesus' strong name. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Stand up, give him praise in the house. See, here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to look at the circumstances just like 10 of the 12 spies and look at it through eyes of the flesh. And if you look at it through eyes of the flesh, you'll never do anything for the kingdom. He didn't put this church right here so that it could have a picnic. He put it right here for it to have dominion and rulership over the darkness that's in this region. Before we moved to Atlanta three years ago, this month, four years ago, we were given the privilege to go to the tomb of the unknown soldier. Memorial Day, you will see the president go out and lay a wreath. We were given that honor to do that. We brought about 30 of our pastors in. Some of them had, had even been wounded in service. And it was a very controlled atmosphere. It was a very beautiful atmosphere. It was very controlled. And before we were to go out, they told us where to stand, how to hold our hands, exactly how to do it. There was no messing around in that atmosphere. And our group had gathered to my right, to your left, and uh, there was a man with us who wanted to get together with the rest of the group. And so there was a set of stairs right here in between us and the group and another set on the far side. But there was a chain right here. And I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I'm smart enough to know that a chain barrier means you don't go across those steps. But you know how we are today. We have no respect for authority in anything. That's a problem. That's another sermon for another day for Pastor Kevin, not me. We just want to do our own thing. So what he decided to do, and really it made sense, but he was coming against authority. And so he just decided he'd just step across that thing. About the time his foot hit that first step, there was a soldier right over here to the right. I didn't know at that point in time if he was packing or not. I later learned that he was packing, fully loaded and ready to go. But about the time his foot hit that step, that soldier just said, stop. And the gentleman who was uh, going down the steps, he stopped. He looked at him and stopped. And he said, go back. That was all he said. There wasn't a discussion. 
there wasn't an argument. He just looked at him. Now, he wasn't a big man. I think physically he could have taken him. But what he did, he looked at him, and he just lifted his big old leg back over that thing and just started walking it back. Went to where he was supposed to go and got with his group. You know, I thought about that a lot since then. He wasn't big, but do you understand he represented something? When he spoke, he spoke with authority because he represented the government of the United States. He represented every branch of the military. He represented the Congress. He represented every nuclear warhead, every battleship. And when he spoke, he spoke with authority. There was something behind him that would back up his words. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. It's time for the church to realize the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, he's going to come in, but let me tell you, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. On your worst day, the days you feel like you don't feel like getting out of bed, you walk in and look at the mirror and go, oh God, what am I going to do with this today? Let me tell you, every word that you speak, you speak with authority, you speak with power, because you represent the government of heaven. You represent every angelic angel. You represent the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, rise up in the name of Jesus. Rise up and take your authority. Take your home. Take your children. Take your finances. Do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, give him praise in the house of the Lord this morning. Come on, just lift up your hands and give him praise all in the house. Come on. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Come on, worship him right now. Worship him right now. Come on, just lift up your voice. Come on, lift it up. Come on. There's something when you speak to it. Your mountain knows your voice. Your mountain knows your voice. You have authority. You have authority. You have power. You have authority to speak to your mountain. Whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and doubt not in his heart to him, it shall be done. It's your mountain. Your mountain knows your voice. Speak to it right now in Jesus' name. Come on, lift it up. Lift it up in the house. Speak to the mountain right where you are. Listen to me right now. Listen to me. Look at me right now. Here's how the enemy works. The enemy tries to get us into a place of peaceful coexistence. What he tries to get us to do, 
is just say accept it for what it is it's been too long it's too deep it'll never turn around and what he wants you to do is just walk off and we say to the enemy you stay on your side I'll stay on mine and we'll peacefully coexist one with another let me tell you what the enemy is the enemy is a murderer he is a thief and he is a liar and he will come and he will destroy everything you have he will not stop if you do not rise up in the name of Jesus I believe in intercessors there are people in our lives today they are intercessors if something difficulty comes away I don't even call them because they're like watchmen on the wall they got us covered and I know there are times I've had them call early in the morning, 7 o'clock. And I know their phone number. If they call at 7 o'clock, I take it. And have them numerous times say, I don't know what's going on, but I've been up in prayer all night, and this is what the Lord says. And when people like that call me, I don't want any smell of human flesh on it. And what I mean is, I don't call them when trouble comes. If they got a word, I know the Lord will use them to get that word to me. But let me tell you something. They don't call all the time. There are times that I've got to get up. I have to rise up and understand the authority that is in my voice. The authority that I have by the blood of Jesus seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you something. If you don't, you will be like a beach ball in a tropical five tornado. You will be blown to and fro. But what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you and to the church today is rise up in my authority. Rise up in my power. I will stop the hand of the enemy from your life. While they begin to sing right now, while the, while the praise team comes to sing, you'll say with me this morning, I'm dealing with a situation in my life. The enemy has pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. But today the Spirit of the Lord is risen up. It's time for me to rise up in the authority that I know belongs to me. Get out of your seat right now and come and stand in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. The King's business. Come on in Jesus' name. Come on. Yeah, come on, let faith rise up right now. Let faith rise up in the house. Come on, lift your hands and just let faith rise up. Come on. Let faith rise up this morning.